Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Is everybody excited? It's Friday. We made it, baby. Looking forward to the weekend. We've got lots of exciting plans. How about you? We'd love to hear from you this morning. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel that you're watching us on right now. And if you want to have your voice be heard, you can always text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, you can always text the Wake Up America show at our text line, night or day, I always check it, at 573-319-1586. All right, well, let's get this show on the road. Well, Friday is always Freedom Family Friday, which means that my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife stephanie peterson is joining us in studio give her a round of applause but can i really be hot because i'm over 30. that's right it's not possible i think it was that she was saying that if you're 35 you can this morning it's 30. oh she's lowering it Uh, now okay that's good so she's she's granting concessions at least (laughs) yes can a woman be hot over 30. maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later but on Freedom Family Fridays, we like to expand it to the extended family. Well, I guess he's part of my immediate family. He's but family. Yes. Biological. Brother-in-law to Stephanie, but brother by blood to me. Oh, brother, my brother, Justin Peterson, joining us live right now from Boston. Good morning, Justin. How you doing, Good brother? Good morning. Thanks for having me on this morning. Happy yeah. Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. Justin Jurgen Peterson joining us now. Glad to have you. All right, JP, we'll get to you in just a second. Let's go ahead and set up the show. What we got at the top of the show this morning, Violent Femmes. No, 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 that's a rock band. No, Violent Trans. We'll talk about a video this morning that's going viral where a, well, I guess female identifying man uh, beat the absolute hell uh, out of a young girl in school, recorded on video. We're going to talk about that this morning, as well as the issues that are related to such. The fall of Western civilization, anyone? And then at 720, th- 7.20 this morning, yes, uh, Central Time. We're going to talk about a video that's circulating for HR where white people are compared to mosquitoes, oh. where apparently it's okay to compare white people to blood-sucking parasites. Uh, I find that quite fascinating. Um, most people tend to be parasitic upon white people in this country, but we mosquitoes can t- bite me. We will talk about that. The mosquitoes do love her. White people love Steffi. They love the Jews. We suck on the Jews. Yes. Uh, we're going to get to that in uh, at 7.20 this morning. We'll play that video and we'll have a good time chatting about it. Uh, more evidence of the decline of Western civilization. And boy, Stephanie, this topic just seems to keep coming up. The fall of the Roman Empire. Why is it that men think so often about the Roman Empire? Well, one left liberal female writer thinks that she knows what it is. And it has something to do with... Well, you can guess it. It's your whiteness. That's what it is. You're a white male, and that's why you think about the Roman Empire every day. Women always figure out the answer. It, it, yes, you do. <laughs> why do you think about the Roman Empire so much? Uh, we'll talk about that and uh, the decline of the American Empire at 7.30 a.m. this morning with my bro, JP. Uh, don't ask Joe Biden about Hunter Biden because there's nothing going on there Everything is fine. How dare you? We need to be focusing on Donald Trump. Uh, and we'll hit that before Justin has to go this morning. At 8 a.m. this morning, Stephanie and I are going to talk about eight side hustles that don't work, um, at least not for the writer of this piece. And I've tried like all eight of them. She's tried all eight of them. <laughs> I've tried most of them. We'll talk about that. So maybe give you some ideas for some good side hustles to help you earn some extra cash and, and then some tips to help possibly save your marriage. One little, just one simple trick could help save your marriage. Ah. 
If only it could be with, that simple. With all of our almost two years of experience, our two-year anniversary coming up. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and hit the show. Justin, now, as you know, uh, because when I play these clips for the audience, you won't be able to hear them, of course, but we'll uh, bring you in to react to them in just a second, okay? So say goodbye to Justin for about a minute and a half here. We'll bring him right back in here. Take a look at, well, take a look at this. And just a note, this uh, is some pretty extreme violence. Keep in mind, that is a biological male, uh, and that is a biological female, but the biological male in this video uh, is female identifying here. She's like wearing a bra. Yeah, yeah, I see that, yeah. Uh, ask yourself, what if this were your daughter? Okay, now uh, yeah, ask yourself, and here, here is the same person, the same um, female identifying biological male in school. Where's the teacher? Great question. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this has happened before, uh, a pattern of sex-based violence where boys are the perpetrators and girls are the victim of assault. Uh, thank you, by the way, to Onion Dip. What does Onion Dip do? Onion Dip dropped $10 in the change jar. He says, uh, the physical removal of Trantifa will stem the collapse for a time uh, in helicopters. Sorry, I mean, hi Minecraft. In Minecraft, yes. Uh, very funny. Uh, yeah, Justin, uh, your reaction when you saw those videos? Um, I just one first thing I I think is I how much I hate bullies. I think that's a that's a family trait. I think that all of us share. I I've talked to Dad a lot about that too. Like he's like I hate a bully. Um, and you know I watch that. And I'm like, okay, first of all, it's gross. It's you know any kind of like violence, but especially violence in schools, right? Um, did I mean I remember school fights that would break out, but it would always be two dudes going at it, right? Or right. you know sometimes you get two or sometimes chicks, two or, girls. Two girls would go at it, you know, and fight each other, but we really didn't get cross, you know, cross-sexed uh, violence going on in schools. But if you um, did, what would have happened to the boy? Would have been, yeah, like OSS, right? Wasn't that what they called it? Out, out oh, of school I'm pretty sure it would have yeah. been a permanent. School suspension. Yeah, it, OSS yeah. would have been yeah. the minimum. That's what we called yeah. it back in the day. ISS and then OSS. OSS, right. But people who would have, like, if if a boy would have beaten the hell out of a girl like that oh, yeah. in our school, he would have, he, he wouldn't charged. have been charged. He probably yeah. would have charged. He would have yeah. charged expulsion. An, an expulsion. Right. Which, which is fascinating because if you think about it, Stephanie, it really does. I mean, there's nothing that highlights and you who have been doing karate now for like almost three years, there's nothing that highlights the difference between men and women than getting into the, the ring and fighting one. Yeah. While I was watching that video, I was like, okay, if I were in this situation as that girl on the ground, what would I have done? And I was like, I would do a my Getty. Right. <laughs> I would, I would probably kick, try to kick. Cause I was like, cause that girl had her fist up by her face. Yes. And so I don't know if, but she was trying to protect her face, which is very important. But it's like, do you punch, you know, while that person is grabbing your head? Yeah, you we know? need to work. It's, we need to work on some ground and pound techniques. Gosh, uh, I mean, uh, that is complex uh, fighting right there. Getty, what Stephanie we just Paul, whipping out her Japanese there. My Getty front kick, front kick. <laughs> that was Justin. Actually, with Justin, when you and I would fight as kids, that was actually your 
your choice, your your favorite attack. Oh, is he the kicker? Justin would kick. So what Justin would do is that he would lay down on his back and he would kick. So he's a jujitsu kind of guy. He sort likes of. to go on the ground he like would, that. Well, okay. He had a pretty good ground game, I would say. Uh, Justin yeah, but would bring... I, w- I would also, you know, I could also stab. Justin, oh. yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thankfully, there were no weapons involved in this school fight. Right, I mean, imagine right. if that bully had a weapon. Well, here's the thing. If you, if you as a, as a, as a non-trans, you know, female identifying man, if you were to step in and beat that man's ass, you would be charged with a hate crime, right? If this is in Oregon, for example, and I think this was yes, actually in yes, Oregon. Yes, it was. Yes. So if you were, if this was in Oregon, you would be charged with a state level hate crime because of the way the laws are. But here's the thing. Right. Couldn't you then just on the way to the courtroom just say, um, I feel like I'm a girl. Take me to the women's prison, please. You know, like it, it's, yeah. it's nonsense. It's people who believe absurdities that are committing atrocities. Is it not? Yeah, I think you need to look at the video and you see the actual physical force that's on display in that video. I mean, he's knocking out, or she, whatever, is knocking out and pulling at, at a velocity that the female body is often not capable of, you know, matching. I mean, I watched those two videos and I'm like, he, that person has a lot of force in their violence. I mean, they're physically very strong. I, mean, uh, I always like and, to, oh, sorry. Go no, on. go ahead. I always like to analyze every situation and look at both sides. And I'm just like, this person who was, doing the violence were they bullied before this are they trying to retaliate like what is causing them to lash out at these girls are these girls mocking this trans person i mean i'm sure that they will say that they did let me let me pull up the video again one more time so those who might just be tuning in can see what we're talking about here this is a a female identifying man young or young person I guess young adult or what you might call them, a teenager. Look like they're teenagers. Late middle school, early high school. Yeah, so they're teenagers here, and this here is the the bully, and he grabs the uh, a girl. Right there. The thing is, who's the camera person? Well, because I hear yeah. the friends were part of this. Yeah. Yeah. It feels pretty stagey if you've got someone to click it right at the right time, right? It's something like they, that was a plan. There was some sort of a plan going on there, right? Is this some TikTok joke? Is this some viral video they're trying to get to go around? Well, I mean, sure. What, what's going on? Well, nowadays, everybody everywhere has always got their, especially when they're teenagers, they've got their cameras out and they're recording pretty much everywhere all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's, when I, when I th- see something like this, you know, uh, this is someone who, this is someone who is, needs to go to juvenile detention and probably will be watched for quite some time. Oh, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. With mental health, hurt people hurt people, okay? I know especially people in the trans community, they do have a lot of mental health struggles, such as depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and history of trauma a lot of times. And so, again, it doesn't make it right why they're doing this, but I do feel that this person probably does need some therapy okay, to deal but, with okay. some of these struggles so, going on so they don't lash out in a violent way, but yet in a healthy way. So which comes first, the mental illness or the transgenderism? <sighs> what came first, the chicken or right? the egg, isn't right? The, isn't transsexuality like, like extreme, as Sarah Higdon has said mm-hmm. on our show, it's extremely rare, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so a lot of these people who may be trans-identifying 
are probably people who suffer from some other form of mental illness. A lot of times trauma does happen before. Right. We have seen a connection there, but there's no direct correlation. Mm -hmm. We can't say if you have trauma, you're going to become trans because that's not always the case. Okay. There's a, there is a link though with autism. And that's mm -hmm. that's yep. the thing too, because autistic people often don't understand societal or cultural norms. They mm -hmm. they don't understand them. It's a, they they it's part of that neurodivergence, right? Yes. So there's very high correlative numbers with uh, autism and trans transsexualism. Sure. This is a, a uh, this has become sort of a pattern of sex based violence where boys are the perpetrators and girls are the victims of assault. I actually have two other incidents I'm going to show here right now. Um, this is an example of a transgender girl, a biological male, uh, assaulting peers at a Texas high school. You can take a look at this and turn the volume down because it's screaming at the top of their lungs here. You see, these are biological males here who identify as girls. Look at them kicking the absolute punching and kicking. And here was another incident. You may have seen this one. This was in a California school where a boy openly attacks a girl while claiming to be trans. Now, this doesn't look like someone who's even undergone any form of transition. This just looks like a young black man beating the absolute hell out of a girl. Now, look, he doesn't even... Like, what exactly is female identifying about this person? And the anger happens because of pain. These people who are inciting violence, they have a lot of pain inside for some reason or another, and mm -hmm. they're just taking it out on the wrong person. What do you do with well, something like this? Well, and also, it's a social media—it's a social media culture mm -hmm. which is telling these kids that there's transphobia everywhere, right? So now I have these feelings, and now there's transphobia all over the place. So they—it creates this sort of paranoia, right? This cultural paranoia in these kids. Mm -hmm. That they're like, you know, I'm different, but not only am I different, there's uh, actual hatred of people like me. And I, and now, you know, uh, you know, the world isn't set up to make you know me happy. Uh, and so it creates feelings of anger and resentment. And I think that spills out. I think that spills out into violence, ultimately, yeah. right? If you feel that you've been aggrieved in some way, you're going to act out in any way you know how to. For those of you who are just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, 1,600 of you this morning, good morning to you. They like us today. Yesterday, somebody in the comment section who was listening to the show later was like, why do you keep resetting your guests? We know who they are. Well, because it's a live show, people who are watching us live this morning may just be tuning in and they may not know who the guests are and what we're talking about this morning. So if you're listening to the show later and you're wondering why Austin keeps resetting and explaining who these people are, it's because it's a live show, so that's why you should join us live every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. The Wake Up America show streams live here at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. Don't forget, click like and subscribe to the channel. All the live viewers are our special friends, and we appreciate them the most. So why don't you join them and become a friend and drop a comment below as well. Say hello and make friends with all of everybody here. It's Freedom Family Friday, which means that my lovely, smoking hot, redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie Peterson, is joining us in studio. And my brother, Justin Peterson, who lives in Boston, Massachusetts, is joining us live as well. Good morning, guys, and thanks for sticking around with us here. You're welcome. So we're talking yeah, about we're talking about this pattern that we see of gendered violence of um, female identifying men who or or teenagers who are violently assaulting women uh, for one reason or another, doesn't, doesn't matter. 
But in in some weird ways, Justin, you know, the you know, we've got on one hand, we have the question of mental illness. On the other hand, we have the question of what is um, what did we call this during the pandemic? It was this sort of um, where it was this this shared sort of not mental illness, but uh, mass this, psychosis. Social mass, yes, a, ma- a social contagion that's a mass psychosis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We have this mass psychosis that, as you have correctly identified, it spreads on social media. Did you read Abigail Schreier's book? Oh, the one that got banned. <laughs> banned book that Abigail Schreier yeah. uh, wrote, yeah. um, Irreversible Damage. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was. Go ahead. It's amazing. No, it's, mm. it's, 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 her book is really good because it lays out the, she really goes into the scientific uh, sort of accumulated knowledge on on what we know uh in the and the fact that these the the general populations that are affected by transgenderism tend to be males not females and so her book obviously makes the case that there's something going on in the female experience probably largely driven through uh social media that's pushing a lot of girls to reject female puberty and so but it doesn't it doesn't skew, it doesn't go with the data that we've accumulated. So, and it's a, such an increase of numbers that we just don't see that in scientific studies. Scientific studies don't usually explode to that degree. So it's, it's, it's offered through argument that it's somewhat of a social contagion that's being spread by TikTok, social media, um, where kids can sort of create their online communities and they create these small little, well, um, group think sort of, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, cults, basically. I mean, if you think about it that way, it's like they create these small enclaves where everyone's affirming them all the time. No one's ever saying, well, maybe, maybe not. Um, so they're always getting support and encouragement um, from their peers. And they're also getting social clout and status from their peers, which is a big part of this because there's a reward for it, right? There is a reward. I mean, one of those things where it's like the bias of, you know, plane crashes, for example, or it's like that's all over, you know, the news, all over social media. So we think plane crashes happen all the time. Could it be the same thing with with transgender material online where it seems like it's happening all the time, but it's really not? It's just what's in our face online. Well, I think in this story about these bullies, one, there's a couple of truth claims that we can make. One, there is violence in high schools. That's always been true, like even in the 90s when we were in school. So it's not like, oh, violence is all, you know. And if there was a rise in violence, then I'd want to see statistical information that would bear that out, right? I'd want to see proof. I'd want to mm-hmm. see evidence of that. So one, we have the truth claim that there has always been violence in schools. Yeah. The second thing that worries me about this is that because of what's going on in terms of the gendered violence, this story can be spun in such a way that it makes it further foments this idea that trans people are dangerous or yes. that trans people are the enemy. And I think that's not a great narrative. I don't think that's a great story to send either, right? I agree with you. So, it furthers the that, animosity. Right, because it sort of says, oh, look at this. See how dangerous these people are? Yeah, here's I mean, the thing. I think yes. that's not, yeah. But here's the, the problem is, Justin, is that when we were in high school, the, uh, the counterculture was to be goth, right? Yeah. But when you were right. a goth, the only irreversible damage that you might be doing is getting uh, Prince Albert, you know what I mean? Or getting a... Getting a tattoo in a place, a tattoo. Yeah, yeah, a tattoo or something like that, right? But even then, you can still get tattoos removed, and you can take out Prince Alberts, and you right. know, still enjoy right. you know lovemaking sessions. But the 
touching that with a ten. Went over my head. I have no idea. I'm not touching that with a ten inch pole, baby. Hey, hey! My my sweet wife has no clue. Explain that to me later. No idea. They're like a movie that's connected to this. I have no idea. We'll get to that later, Stephanie. I'll tell you that much later. But but when we talk about irreversible irreversible damage, the difference between the cult the counterculture of the '90s when you and I were growing up, and the counterculture of today is that, like you said before, that we are probably going to look back on this like we did with lobotomies. When I asked Sarah Higdon about that, we asked her about that last week, didn't we? We're, she was on the show with us last Friday. Talking about transgender, but, but didn't she sort of disagree with that? She said yes, she, she did. Was, she did disagree with that, that, that yeah. we're going to look back on this. And I think, and listen, I love Sarah and she's a good friend. And, and as a, a libertarian, I afford her as someone who doesn't want to take my rights away, uh, as a transgender person, I respect her and honor her wishes. I don't give that same, uh, uh, courtesy to leftists and to communists and to socialists and to people who want to take my rights away or, or strangle my free speech. Mm -hmm. I, I offer them nothing but accord them nothing but disrespect, but that's a political theory we can talk about later. My concern, of course, with Sarah is that she says this because she fears that one day she will regret her decision. Uh, and when I asked her that specifically, probably, you know, six months ago or so on the show, it, it gave her pause. Uh, I think that she hadn't considered that, right? That, I think she says she doesn't know if she will regret it one day. Right, which is an honest answer, but I mean, a terrifying consideration for someone to have to think that, like, there may come a day when you will have regret i mean i don't want to get into the the nitty-gritty details of what these surgeries are and what what happens to them sometimes years after but sometimes like people like the these surgeries don't always go to plan according to plan 100 percent every single time it's not a perfect surgery and it's yeah. we're not biologically meant to do this to ourselves right. so it's well and this is why for me in my personal view is that i think it's completely fine if you want to socially transition like if you want to be socially transitioned go for it like Great. live you do your thing whatever and then if you decide you know later on you don't or you're like you know what maybe not for me then fine so but at least you have some control over the situation and yeah. you know and you have the ability to make a free decision you know once sort of surgical hormonal things are done it's not like it stops that's mm. the thing that i think that people don't understand is that you are a medical you are medicalized for life you have to continue medical procedures, you have to continue hormonal procedures, then you have to deal with the physical effects that occur to your body uh, in, in, in light of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for social transition, you know, do present yourself as you want, and that's a free society, and you can be who you want to be. And that's, you know, that's my liberal view, <laughs> you know, do your life. But you know, when we start talking about and, and listen, and if you're an adult, and you want to do that to yourself again, via con dios like you have complete freedom to do with your body whatever yeah. you want but i just think this the idea that 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 we can solve suffering through surgery is something that we really need to reflect on in society especially when the speed of which a person enters into a conversation about these issues and then is medicalized is very very short well yeah like, i saw I a story like uh, it was like a week ago where that like the the person went in and like said that they might be trans and the doctor immediately like immediately right. like it was like all right let's begin the process of transition it was like it right. wasn't like there was no therapy there was no conversation well there needs to be at least two letters written 
by mental health professionals before you get a surgery. Depending on and the unfortunate part about that, Steffi, the unfortunate mm -hmm. part about that is there are actual medical establishment places that will do that for you regardless yes, they so they, they are sort of activist they're activist medical associations and right, so they're they like we're gonna write your page we're gonna do it for you yes. because they, they make it a very smooth a, process yeah covid really well they see this as a civil rights too. you know social they see it literally as a social right rights civil rights issue so yeah. these these medical sort of activists have sprung up to to write these letters right so Holy. It would be like, it's, do you need yeah. to get a letter from a therapist to get any plastic surgery? You know, those people that identify as cats, for example, and they get like whiskers implanted into their face and, you know, right. all those kinds of facial surgeries to make themselves look like Barbie and all sorts of things. Should you have to see a therapist first before getting those probably. surgeries? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. If those you, things have been doing, yeah, going if, on yeah, for a long time. Yeah, if you are a mentally ill person... Then yeah, before you take him into Doctor Wackadoo and start having him slicing and dicing you like mm -hmm. some episode of American Horror Story, like the start Doctor Frankenstein that shit. Yeah, before somebody is allowed to go and take a scalpel to you and start cutting up your genitals, you know, before something like that is done, even if you're an adult, yeah, you probably should have to have some kind of like an actual therapist or doctor do it, and maybe not these activist doctors because we all know what creeper and weirdos there are. In the medical yeah. community these days <clears throat> good god there are yeah. people who perform abortions so maybe we have to focus on the entire plastic surgery community then maybe anyone who gets surgery maybe to change maybe. their body like those what is it the leg lengthening surgeries that some men get they Ugh. literally have like their legs extended y yeah yeah just you know people listen again you're an adult you can do what you want with your body but like before like doctor you know psychopath starts cutting up like frankenstein maybe you ought to like have you know speak to a therapist at least once before we got to say thank you to Studio 314 for dropping five bucks in the tick jar. We appreciate so nice. all of the, the Rumble rants. We appreciate very much. We've also saw that we had, um, we've got like 17 people who have become monthly subscribers through Rumble. Yay. And we're grateful to that. Thank you for being a supporter of the Wake Up America show and supporting Rumble at the same time. When you become a monthly subscriber to the Wake Up America show uh, here at rumble.com, uh, not only are you supporting us, but you're supporting free speech. Rumble is under attack from all sides. Big tech governments around the world trying to shut down Rumble.com because they allow people like ourselves to monetize our platform. Whereas YouTube three weeks ago said we're done with the Wake Up America show and Austin and Stephanie are not allowed to make money off of our platform anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, Rumble stepped in in a big way and said we'd love to feature the Wake Up America show. Uh, we stand, we know what you stand for and believe in, and we want you to be allowed to to monetize your Wake Up America show here. So thank you to rumble.com. Thank you. And thank you to all of our monthly subscribers here on the Wake Up America show. We're grateful to you and we are, are glad to have your support. If you are a monthly subscriber to us through Rumble, don't forget you get a 20% discount at ap4libertyshop.com. So if you're a monthly subscriber and you don't have your 20% discount code, make sure to send us a text and let us know at 573 319-1586. And if you do, make sure you let us know your name so we can look it up in the records at 573-319-1586. Again, text the show anytime, night or day, 573-319-1586. All right. We want to, uh, we've got another video that we want to share, Justin. This is the mosquitoes video <laughs> for okay. human resources. We're going to play this one real quick and uh, we're going to move on to another topic. Take a look and a listen. Mosquito bites and their itch are one of nature's most annoying features. 
but if you're only bitten every once in a while. No, where are you really from? Uh, Cleveland? Sure, it's annoying, but it's not that big a deal. The problem is that some people get bitten by mosquitoes a lot more than other people. I mean, a lot more. Whether it's on a date. Oh, your English is so good. Excuse me? Going grocery shopping. You know, everything happens for a reason. I'm just buying apples. Commuting to work. So when are you going to have a baby? Watching TV. We have to keep the Redskins name. It's part of our culture and history. Or just walking down the street with your partner. <gasps> I couldn't even tell you were gay. <sighs> mosquitoes seem to pop up everywhere. Do you know John? Give me shopping advice. So bad I love Cher too. And getting bit by mosquitoes every day. Can I touch your hair? Multiple times a day. So pretty. Can, Can I, I touch, touch your it? hair? Please. It seems like a huge overreaction to people who only get bit every once in a while. It's just a mosquito bite. Who cares? Just another angry black woman. Of course, beyond just being annoying, some mosquitoes carry truly threatening diseases that can mess up your life for years. Astrophysics? Hmm, maybe you should try this challenging major. Ow. Another mosquitoes carry strains that can even kill you. You looked like you was up to trouble, okay? I felt threatened. So next time you think someone's overreacting, just remember, some people experience mosquito bites all the time. You're all so exotic, wow. White people are mosquitoes. There you go. That one was definitely written by an angry black woman. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Um, well, it's language that would make Goebbels really happy, right? That's my take on it. You know, it's dehumanization at its best. I mean, it literally is. If you look up what is genocide, what are steps to genocide? There you go. I mean, really? they really, compared Jews to rats. Yeah, they called them vermin. Okay. Yeah, right? to vermin. Vermin. Yeah, yeah. They, so they used they, to like paint us as rats. Yeah, and and stuff. yeah. They would like. Yep. Yeah, Stephanie. By the way, for those of you tuning in, uh, for the anti-Semites out there, my wife is Jewish. I'm just learning that I'm a rat. I yes. listen to rats. Yeah, actually, you yeah. rat. love rats. Jewish rat, Juden rat. That's what they would call you. Well, oh, I mean, if goodness. you don't see people as human beings, it's very easy to do terrible things to them, right? Yes. If you don't see them as a human, then you know is atrocities are not too far away. Um, you know. Also, I love that this school has blocked comments on their social media accounts, you know, so they have the courage of their convictions, obviously, to write these things, but not to withstand the criticism of those ideas, which it's just classic, right? Like, I just love that. Yeah, you can um, tell that they're you can tell that they're very confident in what they're yeah. putting out there, that this sure. is that this is this is necessary and proper and and completely could should could be completely free or immune to criticism, of course. To compare white people to parasitic mosquitoes, bloodsuckers. Right. Stephanie, what was your thought watching that video? Could relate to certain parts of it. So it's like they're getting their message across in terms of, yeah, people will push your buttons in society. That's not fun. That sucks. You know, some people in this world will have their buttons pushed more than others. Oh, Stephanie, no. Stephanie, you're not avoiding cool. but, the point. Yeah, but the fact <laughs> that they used that they used all Caucasian people to voice the mosquito. I mean, that does make you say, oh, is it only white people no, who are doing this? It sounded to me, and I could be wrong, it sounded to me like the narrator was a white chick, which yes. I would guess is a liberal yes. white chick. She probably was delighted to read that script because there's nothing that liberal white women hate more than the men that they use to give them children and to marry and to spend their lives with for some weird reason. And of course, minority women, especially those minority women in power, uh, look at Kamala Harris, look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who do they marry? the white male uh, of course so they hate us but they love to mate us um and sometimes date us 
Justin, when I see videos like this, it reminds me of uh, how black people get upset anytime a white person so much as uh, paints a picture of or even looks at or posts a video of a monkey as if we're trying to make some kind of veiled reference to black people. But if I were to make a video that it was a training video that said, when you go into the ghetto or 125th Street uh, and, uh, and Broadway in New York City, you might be surrounded by monkeys who might kick your ass and steal your wallet. There might be an outrage, right? If I were to compare black people to monkeys who steal, um, and that would probably be a justifiable outrage, I would think. And yet for some reason, when the shoe is on the other foot and white people are compared to parasites, this is official diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Well, I mean, it's the difference between liberal social justice and fundamentalist social justice. So if you've ever, if, Tim Urban has written a really great book called uh, What's Our Problem, I think is the name of it. It's like a mm -hmm. self-help guide for societies. It's a great book. If you really want to understand what's going on and why this stuff is happening, it's, it's, you can't read a better book. Uh, but there is a great dichotomy between liberal social justice and fundamentalist social justice because uh, fundamentalist social justice is predicated upon the ideas of postmodernism, which directly tie to power, right? Which is why they've tried to re, re, uh, re uh, define the terms and words that have to do with power differentials. Racism in the, in the liberal sense is, you know, MLK, it's, it's the white, the women's rights for fights for suff suffrage and for voting. I mean, all of those things were done under liberal social justice. Um, this kind of speech and this kind of stuff is um, only going to make people more afraid of each other. And that's just yeah. going to, it's actually going to cause more racism. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Stuff like this just, again, it, it promulgates more racism because what, ha what happens is, is that people begin to shut down communicatively and they start to separate themselves off from people because what happens is, is that the cost of inner, you know, the cost of being in a relationship with you at work or in social environments becomes so high that it's just not worth it for me to be around you anymore, right? Because I'm just so afraid that I'm going to say something wrong or do the wrong thing. It, it paralyzes people that they don't know what to do, right? So, and this is why the DEI trainings at companies are so dangerous, because if the training is promulgated on making people um, verbally uh, admit that they're racist, the company now has on record that you've written, that, that you've said, oh yeah, he made an acclamation at, at the, the DEI training that he was racist. So if a microaggression happens at work or you do something like, you know, ask somebody a question, a banal question, they can fire you because they can say, well, you, you're, you did a racist thing and you admitted that you're a racist. So we're just going to get rid of you and fire you. Wow. I want to make a training video for Target for for shutting down all those stores to like give them advice about where to open stores. And it's like, if you open a store in this neighborhood, then monkeys will come in and steal your TVs. So watch out for those monk TV stealing monkeys. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really bad, you know, but yet horrible. this whole mosquito thing, people are like, oh, well, it's white people. Yeah. You know, we can discriminate against white people. No big deal. Speaking of discrimination against white people who built Western civilization and who created oh, the gosh. language that you're speaking right now. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Very pro-Western civilization kind of a guy. White and proud. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. We're glad to have you here tuning in live with us right now. We've only got mm, just a little over 2,359 people watching. Oh 
Thanks. It's the biggest show ever. Almost, yes. The biggest show ever yesterday. We had 3,200 people live. Pretty exciting. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel. Oops, I hit the, that button a little too early. Um, the next article that we're going to move on to talk about, speaking of white civilization and white culture, uh, is a story that I actually only just saw this morning, but it's related to the Roman Empire. An, a woman by the name of Elizabeth Gulino says, Liking the Roman Empire tells us more about ourselves than we think. And here's the... Um, Here's the uh, the piece that we pulled, uh, the part of this piece that I think is significant. She writes that white men are often the most significant fans of the whitewashed Roman history and ancient Rome, meaning that if you're a white cisgender man or you're hanging out with a lot of white cisgender men, you'll likely remember things that those men tend to discuss. Now, anyone who uses the term cisgender, you know, is a liberal idiot, but we're going to get to that topic in just a moment. Uh, give me just a second, Justin. We'll be right back because I want to take one minute to remind our listeners about one of the backbones of Western civilization, and that is gold and silver. Why do they want to take away our gold and silver and force us to use central bank digital currencies? It's so that they can control every transaction that we make. But when the apocalypse, the apocalypse comes and the Roman Empire falls, <laughs> the American Empire... You're going to want gold and silver. Well, you're going to want it anyway, because even if the American empire doesn't fall, you know that they're going to continue to devalue our currency. Why don't you visit our friends over at Lear Capital? Give them a call today. You get a $500 account credit. Only if you call that number, though. You can visit the website at learaustin.com. And if you visit the website, they'll send you a free gold and silver information packet. But I endorse and recommend Lear Capital not only for you, the listener, but I recommend it to our family. We recommended it to your mom, didn't we, oh, yes. Stephanie? Yeah. I keep telling her to invest in gold. Actually, I bought her some silver many, many years ago. Yeah. And, and she really loves it. She still has it. And you, my Jewish wife, came with a nice little bag of gold yourself. I sure did. And I still have it. And I feel very safe with it. And I want to add more. To there it. you go. You go. You get the Jewish girls, you get the gold. All right. But if you don't have. Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, just last night we were watching. They really loved the gold, too. Yeah, so we're going to talk about this, actually, because Stephanie has been getting introduced to some of the uh, literature of Western civilization. Of course, one of the backbones of Western civilization, gold. Get yours today with a $500 account credit at 1-800-885-2175. If you want that $500 account credit, you have to call the number. So do that today. Write this number down, one 800 885-2175. Again, 1-800-885-2175. Did you want to say something else about that before we go? No. I, I mean, there's really just, there's no bad thing about gold. Nothing wrong about nothing wrong with gold. So get some in your portfolio today or visit LearAustin.com. All right. So speaking of the backbone of Western civilization, my brother, Justin Peterson, a big fan of Western Civ himself and my lovely wife, Stephanie. So, Stephanie and I have been talking about the Roman Empire a lot lately. It's a meme, Justin. Everybody's been sharing it around. Like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? So, before we get started, can I just quiz you real quick? How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Can I tell you a funny story? Yes. I was talking about the Roman Empire two days ago with friends. I literally, I was literally talking about the Roman Empire two days ago. <laughs> I, I, again, here's, I'll give you some context on that. I, I've been reading this book called How Shall We Live? How Shall We Live? I think. Okay. Um, and it's this guy who kind of goes through Western civilization. He, he's coming at it from a, a Christian sort of viewpoint. Uh, so, um, but the book, he breaks down five uh, metrics in, in civilizations 
right? Uh, that are harbingers of, of societal collapse or empire collapse. And so the five metrics are, uh, one is an increasing love of show and luxury affluence, right? Two is a widening gap between the rich and the poor. Three is an obsession with sex and sexuality. Four is freakishness in the arts that's masquerading as originality. And then finally, number five is an increased desire to live off of the state. Oh my All God, our society things- is crumbling. <laughs> this, this is us. Yeah. This is America. Stephanie, Stephanie asked me, I think it was early last week when this meme yeah. started going around. She's like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And I had already seen the meme, so I had already kind of like started to think about it even more. But but typically, I think about the Roman Empire at least a few times a week, if not every day. Uh, yeah. and, and because here's the thing, it's the, it's history, right? It's, it, it, oh, here's, here's why I think, other than myself, why I think many people in the West think about the Roman Empire so frequently. It's because we're a majority Christian nation, and the Romans killed their god. And so you're going to be thinking about the Romans at minimum once a year when you go see the Christmas show and they do the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Because the the Romans are the ones who killed Jesus. And so the Roman Empire is endemic to the story of Jesus. It is not only the Roman Empire, but then there's the Holy Roman Empire. And for those who know German history, that's the Third Reich for a reason. So if you watch any history special, the Reich, right, the empire, you're thinking about the Romans and so much of our culture and civilization is tied up into it. Now, the reasons why I think about it are because when I think about gold or silver, I'm thinking about societal collapse. When I see, you know, men identifying as women and beating the hell out of women and I see I'm thinking about the story in the Bible when the Israelites are in the desert and Moses goes to the top of Mount Ararat to get the Ten Commandments. And when he returns, the people are engaging in lewd and lascivious rituals. They're worshiping a golden uh, calf and they're engaging in orgies and all manner of sin. And it reminds me very much of the, the final days of Rome to some extent. And I see correlations to that with our current American empire, such as we are. So when I'm thinking about the current political context, I'm comparing it to empires of days past. I don't think as much about the Holy Roman Empire per se, but I do think about Constantine and Constantinople. Mm. But then I'm, I go back to the Roman Empire and I try and understand, you know, how did the Caesars govern? How did the, because without the Roman Empire, there would be no American government, right? Without the, you know, the bicameral system in the United States, the reason why we have two legislatures instead of one is because the founding fathers knew and studied Greek and Roman history and said the Senate was too powerful by itself. It, it, uh, it, over, it, it became overpowered and therefore we created a separation of powers. But you know what, Justin? Most people aren't thinking about that shit well, no. But maybe maybe it is just a white male thing. <laughs> maybe it is. But like, you know, Rome has cast the largest cultural shadow of all time. There is no culture in the history of the human experience that has cast the longest shadow. Uh government language is is Roman. Uh theater, Greek and Roman, right? It comes from that. Uh order, beauty, symmetry, all of these co- things come out of the Roman era. Science is Latin. The language of science is in Latin. Um, 
the characters of the Roman experience are large. They're Shakespearean, right? These are these enormous characters. Glory is a huge value in ancient Rome, right? Great men and great leaders and great thinkers, Plato, Socrates, uh, they are interested in accomplishing great things. Um, also, the, you know, the great man, the idea of the great man, there aren't a lot of things that men in our current culture can look to and be like, can be inspired by. But Rome offers that. Ancient Rome David. offers heroes and warriors and, and uh, art, stories and of valiant and philosophy and and men of the word, men of letters, men of reason, men of philosophy, men of, of, of theater, right? All of these things appeal, and this is what our cultural, this is our cultural inheritance, right? I mean, even something like Pompeii, I mean, one of the cool things about Pompeii in the south of Italy is that when the volcano came, when Vesuvius exploded, it covered the city in ash, but it preserved all that stuff. We still haven't fully excavated Pompeii. So there's still stuff that we're learning about the ancient cultures. But like you said, I think one of the real interesting things for us now is because it fell, right? That fall is fascinating to people. Uh, it's a lesson from history that we wanna learn from. Uh, it, you know, how do empires end, right? And so much of that correlates to our modern life. You know, what's happening then resonates with us now, obviously. So yeah, I think there are things that we are reaching back to try to get more of. We want more beauty, well, we like want more order. You know? If I can interject just for a brief moment, Justin, one of the things, you know, Stephanie and I have been talking about lately is I've been sort of introducing her to some cultural backbone backbones that she's missed out on. Last night, we watched uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, and then recently we were, um, there was another, uh, uh, was it, we, we watched Gladiator, so you knew that one. Yeah. But there was another cultural touchstone that we had to hit on. In order Julius to, Caesar. To, um, no, wait, not Julius Caesar. It was um, King Arthur. King Arthur. Thank you, yes. Stephanie. Yes, King Arthur. So King Arthur is so important to the in, in the Western pantheon because you know it was it it is inspirational. So many other uh, works of Western literature are inspired by King Arthur. Mark Twain's Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court, for example. I, I introduced Stephanie when we like to watch World War II stuff, like learn about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. um, you know there was a castle where um, not Goebbels but Himmler, Heinrich Himmler, and the SS. Uh, had uh, conducted occult rituals because they believed themselves to be the modern knights of the round table and they had a round circular table. And so, uh, you know, I was explaining to Stephanie about like the greatness of man. One of the things that people like, like Hitler believed, not to say that it, that necessarily, you know, makes it bad, that tinges it with, with a negativity, but one of the, the, the overarching philosophies of the Romans and uh, of the Britons and then uh, subsequently of the Germans at the time was that without a sort of structured society that gives the great men of society something to do, a holy quest, if you will, a quest for the holy grail, then these great men of society go, will go out into the countryside and be troublesome. They'll, they'll be problematic. The reason why King Arthur brings together the Knights of the Round Table is not just so that they can have a code of chivalry, but it is also to ensure that Lancelot isn't out, you know, boinking every maiden you know, from here into from here to Birmingham. But the point of that is, is that I think that the reason why the Roman Empire for many men today resonates is the same reason that those tales of King Arthur resonate, because there's the same reason why, you know, the the madness of the Nazis was to reach for this greatness to, to, to try and conquer the world, 
you know, as the Romans conquered the known world at that time, right, that imperialist attitude is because it gave men a purpose in life. It gave them a quest, right? And, and, and I think that modern men today feel as if they lack a purpose, right? There is, there is uh, very much with society turning against men, turning and saying that men are useless, men are not necessary, I'm a strong, independent woman, I don't need no man, men can be women, right? That, that, yep. ma that masculine men can only be liberated from their gender roles when they dress or act like women or become homosexuals, no offense to the present company, company. but that essentially that <laughs> this idea that, that the Roman Empire reigns supreme in, in the minds of men because men long for an adventure. Men long to belong to a great society and to be part of building a great society, not like in the Lyndon Johnson sense, but in the sense of like our individual effort as knights of the round table or as members of the Roman legion uh, uh, to be Caesars, to be great men, that is something that we long for. And I think that is part of the reason why men look longingly back to these stories of the past, King Arthur, or the, the Roman Empire specifically, because that was a time when men lived and had high adventure and had purpose in life. Oh yeah, completely. And, and I totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, I just think about it in terms of the arts, you know, I mean, talk about a flourishing artistic culture. I mean, whether it was music or theater, I mean, gosh, I mean, the sculpture, right. That's still with us today. I mean, the entire Washington DC metropolis area is influenced by these Greek and Roman ideals. Uh, it's, it's, but this idea of purpose, like you were saying, this idea of something beyond oneself, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about religion, but I think that's why religion is important. People need religion to find uh, something beyond themselves. It gives people a sense of there's something greater than me in the, in the world. And I think postmodernism, right, as we've sort of inherited it from the 1960s, give, it's just nihilism, Austin. It's complete and total nihilism. It's living for yourself. It's moral relativism. You know, decide what's best for you and just do it. You know, don't worry about everyone else. You are the main character. And I don't know. I think that these stories of being a hero, it's like, it's, they, they speak, they've always sp spoken to little boys. If you look at a lot of the books in the 1920s and the 30s for little boys, a lot of them were these kind of stories, knights. And I mean, what um, was I reading as a kid? Like King Arthur, right? I was reading, yeah. I was, I was obsessed with the tales, which of, the of course of the also table. does connect to Christianity, you know, because the yes. whole Knights of the Round Table is connected to the story of Christ. And when I, when I, when I showed Stephanie uh, the movie, because I'm trying to introduce her slowly to some of these things. Um, so rather than I got everything I learned in school because I hated school so much. Right. Well, so <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to show her the 1981 version of King Arthur, the Excalibur, you know, with the nice boobies in it. Um, because it's just, it's a little bit, are there any bad boobies, Austin? There's, there's no, no such thing as bad boobies. Um, <laughs> but when you're, you know, when you're a seven year old kid and you see your first boobies in a movie and Excalibur from 1981, it's, it, it really sticks with you. I don't I showed, know what you're I, talking about. I showed her the Richard Gere movie, <laughs> the one with Sean Connery, First Night. Yes, so I didn't see that one. Okay, no. so it doesn't have Merlin in it, which I think is actually a really important character in Western civilization, right? But um, especially when you're talking about Mark Twain and Connecticut Yankee. But um, I introduced her to that movie because it's kind of like the first example that shows like also how 
and you know not politically correct to say but like how a woman destroyed his kingdom like when when arthur left to fight in the holy land like guinevere was dal having her dalliance with lancelot right and it was a cautionary tale for great men to show that like you know how you can lose your kingdom and lose everything because of jealousy and out of, out of anger and fear and because of his jealousy he allowed his emotions to take over and that's when you know mordred takes over you know camelot and Cam and it's the fall of camelot similar to the fall of rome right the fall of western civilization so these are cautionary tales right these are aesop's fables there there are moral lessons in these stories that you do not get you know or if the the moral lesson that you get is what you you you've identified justin nihilism for example right what we see in most of modern hollywood or cinema are not the kind of moral lessons that impart upon you like you know cautionary tales we've talked about citizen kane for example and stephanie and i were talking about this the other night on our way home from karate about why she was curious about why i rewatched movies or why i've watched movies so many times because i've always been a person that only watches or reads something one time because oh. i like variety i get bored you know by doing the same thing over and over but i heard recently that you actually enjoy things more the more that you watch them or read them because you start to notice more and more details of that thing and it makes you have more fun right what you're what you're dipping into is the idea of ritual that's really what you're talking mm -hmm. about is that the idea of an ordered ritualistic life which creates order and balance and mm -hmm. coming back to texts or coming back to music or coming back to poetry you don't you the poet doesn't change you change so every time right. you're coming back to yeah. that work of art you're always a different person than you were the last time you saw it and it yeah. moves in on you differently I watch films like Austin was talking about now that I haven't seen for a while, and I and it hits me differently now because I'm mm -hmm. older, and yeah. so I'm bringing my new, my contemporary self to that. Um, and you so identify with different characters at different times. Well, complete, and I get different sides of the story. You know, maybe as a young person, I'm on this person's side, but now as I'm older, I'm like, you know what, that person, I don't like them. I like this other person in the story. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think about. I think about Citizen Kane, for example, and this was what I said to her was like when I was when I fir the first time I saw Citizen Kane, I looked at it as like a beautiful story and, a, and a, an interesting cautionary tale, but I, I couldn't necessarily identify with Citizen Kane. And now that I'm an adult, I've in a very micro way, I have lived the life of Citizen Kane. I have, you know, created a small media empire right? And some of it might be yellow journalism, right? Propagandistic <laughs> for my ideas or my ideals. I used that media empire to run for office unsuccessfully, right? And to see the failure of that, right? And then, you know, and I've been a collector of antiquity, right? Of, of relics of, mm -hmm. of history of firearms and things like that. And so now when I see Citizen Kane, I see this as, you know, I could see it as Donald Trump style character, right? You can see now with my knowledge of history, and now I see like in my life, like the mistakes that I have made and the, the troubles that he has uh, um, had with women and with with jealousy and with lust and with a desire for power and ultimately his fall. Um, so that is why the great works are great works is yes. because they have a, a, a universality to yes. them. Right. Well, it's like the same I was thinking about with Shakespeare. I mean, my gosh. Talk about a gift to Western civilization. The works of, of uh, William Shakespeare, I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, beauty and violence and human behavior and failure and success. And 
there's nothing better. Like to me, there's it's the it's the apex of of literary uh, theatrical Western civilization. It, I mean, who can touch it? It's so good. It's so good. It's funny that you say that Shakespeare because Stephanie and I have been kind of like trying to like like beating her over the head with this in the last week. Is a tu brute. So I wrote an article right. the other day in Human Events uh, about uh, how Joe Biden is being stabbed in the back by many in the Democratic Party who think he shouldn't run for president again. And uh, Cenk Wager of the Young Turks says, Mr. President, please step down. His approval ratings are so low. And so at the final part of my piece, I say, you know, I, I said, I've been thinking about the Roman Empire more than more than more often than not lately for some reason. And I've been brushing up on my Shakespeare. And then I made some comparison and where to Joe Biden and where he finishes by saying, a tu brute. And Stephanie is like, what does this mean? Right. And I was totally confused at the very end of the article. She didn't know because she didn't know because, but here's the thing. These, these are cultural touchstones, right? The, right. These phrases, this is a, you know, she's been asking this question, like, why is it important to know these things? Why is it important to know history? She was having a conversation with someone yesterday about that, who was like, oh, that's not important for you to know that stuff. Just read Hunger Games, right? And I was like, shut up, please. Okay, not to say Hunger Games isn't, you know, nice and interesting and fun, and I enjoy it, but like, if you don't know A2 Brute, you, that's the language of betrayal. Like, who has, if you've ever said, I, I got stabbed in the back, you're talking Shakespeare there. You're referencing right. Shakespeare, right? So to not, if someone says a tu brute to you and you have no fucking clue what the hell they're talking about, like you just might have a low IQ or you just might be uncultured. Like, and this is the decline. This is the failure of our society in the United States is to properly, not just, not just that they, they can't speak the Latin language of Shakespeare, but they can't even hugging read. They can't, most people that are graduating from many of these urban cities, high schools, I think it's like 90% are entirely illiterate. And, yeah. and well, so this is the bread and circuses of, of the Roman, this is the bread and circuses of the Roman empire, right? Yeah. As long as people are fed and entertained, they, they'll be a docile population, right? So, you know, and, and circuses literally like right the, the lowest common denominator entertainment is what I'm, you know, and people say, oh, you're such an elitist. And I'm like, um, uh, yeah, I guess I am, you know, because I, yeah, I'm a person same. who thinks that I'm a person that thinks that Franzia is not the best wine, right? Like, I just don't, <laughs> boxed know. wine, Stephanie. Oh, okay. I don't drink either. So I don't like, she doesn't drink. That's based good. on it's based on a broad exposure to things. You know, young men, let me let me go back in history in the 19th century and maybe before that young men would finish their education by going on grand tours of Europe. And they would go and they would see all of the cultural accumulation of art and architecture and uh, locations in Paris, in Rome, in Milan, uh, in parts of Germany. They would just go all over. And it was part of their finishing was to mm -hmm. see all of these things, to get this education. These are, you know, the worst, I think I sent you an article uh, that I was, I've been reading on this, this book about um, liberalism and Christianity and how it's been a bad relationship in those two things. <laughs> those things have not gone along. But in the idea that we don't teach children Greek and Latin, we used to do that. My, my, our own mother took Latin in high school. She took Latin. So the ability to open yourself up to a whole other world of, of our, you know, They cultural. quit teaching cursive. Like they, right. you can't, kids today can't read the law. 
They we sound like old men. The Constitution. Like, Back in my day, we used to do this. Right. Yeah. Well, but I understand kind why. Of between you guys and the younger generation, you can write cursive. Yes, okay. I did learn yeah. cursive. Thank God. All right, yeah. uh, um, <laughs> Justin. Uh, real quick, a couple of things before, because no. I know we got to let you go. Yeah. Um, uh, one of our listeners, Mr. Berenson, uh, was curious about that book that you were talking about a uh, little bit earlier. Here's what he he asked. Uh, the five hints are tales of woe for a dying empire that you were talking oh, about. Yeah, yeah. It's from a book called the, uh, how shall we live? Mm-hmm. I don't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but it's like either how shall we live or how shalt we live? I don't, but yeah, it's a, it's sort of a Christian apologetic. Would you for, do us a favor, Justin, and log into uh, the rumble chat and just find that and drop that, that book for us real quick before you yeah. leave today. You don't know, yeah. you don't have to do it immediately, but just right after oh, we let you go, sure. cause I want to actually give you the final word here on the, the Roman empire situation. Um, um, so this this quote that uh, I read earlier, this is what started this conversation. I want you to just, I'm going to read it to you, and then I want you to respond, have the final word, and then anything that you'd like to plug or anything to the over 2,300 people watching us right here, right now, like a small town, essentially watching us, I want you to just uh, have your chance to say your final word. She writes, white men are often the most significant fans of the whitewashed Roman history and ancient Rome. Meaning that if you're a white cisgender man, or you're hanging out with a lot of white cisgender men, you'll likely remember things that those men tend to discuss. How would you respond to that author? Okay, so the minute that someone says something about race, I stop listening. I don't care what they have to say. I'm done. Because there's nothing productive in that conversation. And I'm not going to be a part of it. Because it's just an attempt to do a gotcha right? It's a sort of a trap. And I'm not going to play those games. I'm done. And I think there are a lot of us that have been in middle, the middle America, who all of this stuff has been going on over our heads. And, you know, calling this racist and calling that racist, it's the little boy that cried wolf. And a lot of us are getting real fed up with it. And we're reaching a point where we're finally just going to say, we don't care anymore. And that's where, that's where you don't want people to go. But yes, we're getting there. Because a lot of people, you cry wolf so many times about things, People are going to stop coming, and then you're going to get eaten by the wolf. That's true, Justin. Any other anything you want to plug before we let you go? People follow you. No, on just somewhere? no, no, nothing to plug. I got no plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Peterson, he's my brother. Give him a round of applause. We're grateful to have him. I want to give. I'll give him a plug. Follow him on Twitter at Justin J Peterson. P E T E R S E N. That's how we spell it. We're all Petersons here. Love you, brother, and love you too. Have a great weekend. Yep. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon. soon. Bye. Bye, All right. Well, there you go. What do you think of Justin Peterson? So smart. Yeah. Send us a text at five seven three. 319-1586. 319-1586. Again, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. This is a good time for us to plug our merch, Stephanie. I think so. Yes. Don't tread on me shirts. Don't tread on me shoes, actually. we I should have put the shoes up there. Yes. Did you see these? The, this is a new product that we put at ap4libertyshop.com. So we'll go ahead sexy. and pull it up. They have the Gadsden snake on them. So and they're you, yellow. Yes. And black. Yes, God's okay. So these are they call them Venom Velocity. So these are brand new in the uh, the AP for Liberty shop. There you go. Check these out. The Don't Tread on Me snake there in your sneakers. Venom Velocity Gadsden Liberty sneakers, and uh, these cost a little bit less than what you would get for regular sneakers in the shop. And guess what? See this price down here? That's delivered, right? So the it's free shipping in the USA, right? So. 
Get yourself these Venom Velocity Gadsden Liberty sneakers over there at apforlibertyshop.com. We've also got some delicious coffees as well. I'm drinking, what am I drinking today? Oh yeah, Thomas's Painkiller coffee. Yes, so, get, and I have my cell phone case. Oh, let's see. That yeah, I designed you? myself from a World War One propaganda poster. Yeah. It's Lady Liberty on an antique phone. Yeah. And I, I designed my neon machine gun phone case as well. So you can get our awesome phone cases over at apforlibertyshop.com. Visit apforlibertyshop.com. We've also got a lot of really great Halloween stuff as well, right? Oh, we do. Mm -hmm. You were wearing your No Lives Matter shirt yesterday, Michael Myers. Yeah, and we so we sold a bunch of them. So we if sure you, you want to get those before they sell out, head to apforlibertyshop.com. Get yourself a No Lives Matter shirt with Michael Myers. So. Oh, and we have the government shirt because government is scary. Yes. So you'll be the scariest person at the Halloween party. It we have the Grim Reefer. For those of you who like marijuana. You partake. <laughs> Don't partake, but well, just support. Yeah, exactly. And then there's the one that says, due to inflation, this is my Halloween costume. So that's a good one. So it's a great way to save money and you don't have to worry about your Halloween costume. Get that squared away at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Steffi, should we take a quick little um, P for Liberty break? Sure. Right, we're going to take a quick little AP for Liberty break and Steffi P for Liberty break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We'll be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail at ap4libertyshop.com. The Wake Up America show. In the like 2022, Austin and Stephanie Peterson embarked on a journey, a journey to wake up America. They began humbly, with just 20 souls tuning in, learning, listening, and though challenges arose, like the looming shadow of YouTube demonetization, their spirit never waned. And now, thanks to you, thousands rise with the sun to join them, to listen, to engage, to be a part of a community. So here's to you, and to wake up America. For memories shared, for friends made, for the journey ahead. And for never, ever forgetting to rise and freedom. Happy anniversary. Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Happy Friday. Hope everybody's in a good mood. Yeah. Do us a favor. If you like the show today, don't forget to click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If you're watching us live now at rumble.com, we're glad to have all 1,600 of you today. Joining us here on Fridays, I love to share with you the things that I love the most, my family. It's Freedom Family Friday, and my lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson, is joining us here in studio. Good morning. How you doing, Steffi? Stephanie. Feeling refreshed. Good. Glad to have you here. We appreciate you very much. My brother, Justin Peterson, was just on here talking about the Roman Empire and how important it is. Uh, if you um, have an opinion on what's going on in the world, don't forget to send us a text. Five, turn it off and then turn it back on again. Okay. You can send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Let us know what's going on in the world. And boy, there is something going on in the world. Some breaking news. Senator Dianne Feinstein dies at 90 years old. California Democrat, who's the oldest member of Congress, had been suffering a precipitous decline in health in recent months. She is a she was a Democratic power broker, served in the Senate for 30 years. She died on Thursday night. Of course, she'd been suffering from frail health and memory issues that made it very difficult for her to function alone, and that had been prompting calls for her to step down, which she consistently rejected. Her condition had been growing more acute over the past several months after a bout with shingles that had caused serious complications, including a case of 
encephalitis um, pretty bad. So she had been kind of using a wheelchair around the Capitol for that reason. Now, her long and very public de decline had kind of shown a spotlight on the advanced age of many members of Congress and particularly the Senate, mm. where many continue to serve long after retirement age. Her staff was officially informed of her death at 9 a.m. A spokesman for that Senate office that were um, not available for comment on this one. So, Stephanie, something we've been talking about this morning, uh, or we've been talking about on this show for the last few weeks, is uh, the uh, the sort of the advanced age of many of these people, like Mitch McConnell and others, who, you know, he fr he's been freezing up a couple of times in the Senate, and now yeah. Dianne Feinstein finally passed away. But um, what are your thoughts? The clock of life does not stop. You know, I mean, death gets to all of us. Mm -hmm. We were just talking yesterday. I'm like, we're all dying. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just a fact. And it's just a matter of when. And so, yeah, I mean, Diane Feinstein, I just saw her in a wheelchair like a few yeah. weeks ago. And then wasn't she saying some really confusing things while she was, you know, in the Capitol? Yeah, she is. Yeah, but uh, so she's, she's still been active in politics, like up until, I don't know, a few weeks ago, at least. Yeah, for sure. She um, anyways, her most notable achievements, according to her biography, are the enactment of the federal assault weapons ban in 1994. Oh, boy. And the six-year review of the CIA's detention and interrogation program that culminated in the 2014 release of the report's executive summary in the passage of legislation ensuring, ensuring that certain post-9-11 interrogation methods are never used again. So, um, interesting. So, uh, torture, essentially. So, I mean, I guess that's good. Uh, you wouldn't want to be tortured or to have someone else tortured. Uh, so before she was a senator, Feinstein had spent nine years as a San Francisco County supervisor beginning in 1969. She was then mayor of San Francisco oh. and uh, mayor of the city in 1978. And she was elected to two four-year terms at that point in time. Um, she was the first woman president of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the first woman mayor of San Francisco, wow. the first woman elected senator of California, the first woman member and first woman ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, wow. the first woman to chair the Senate Rules and Administration Committee, and the first woman to chair the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, Fox is told that members of her staff have put flowers on her desk on the Senate floor as of Friday morning. So. No, I, I never like to talk that badly about people who have died, because obviously we only saw one part of their life. We just saw the political part of their life. We didn't see her personal life. Like, I don't I don't know who she was, you know, in her family life. I don't know if she had kids, what kind of a mother she was, what her hobbies were. I mean, there's just so much more to a person than politics. That's the thing. Sure, but there, there, there should be, there would be, in theory, if this person wasn't entirely political their entire lives. Right. So there's a difference between someone who, when they get to a certain age, they decide to get involved in politics as a means to give back. There, there's another, there's, a, and then there's the people who they spend their entire lives in politics, like Bernie Sanders, for example. Yeah. He's never been anything but a politician. Okay. Right. So mm -hmm. somebody like that, it. I can't say, oh, what if, you can't say, oh, well, what about what else they did outside of their, their political career? Diane Feinstein was an entirely a political creature, right? She, very much like, yes, very much like Bernie Sanders, for example. So she never had a career outside of politics or any, did, did anything that didn't have anything to do with politics like Bernie Sanders. Did be interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like, was he in politics too? Uh, let's see. How no. do you have this like powerful no. life? 
Yeah, I don't know. As a man, what do you do? I don't know anything about her husband. Um, She's big on LGBTQ plus issues, gun control, and environmental protection. So she pretty much stands for everything that you and I stand against, probably, for the most part, right? LGBTQ plus issues, you know. I mean, if you're just talking about... Or for supporting them. I mean... At this point in time, I would say that my support for LGBTQ plus is is tentative. Um, I would say that, you know, at some point, you know, the, everybody deserves the same equal rights before the law. Um, but I think that the LGBTQ plus movement, as such as it is, has gone off the rails and has become a censorious movement and has become a movement against our rights. It's kind of like it's kind of like the. Um, like the NAACP, for example, it's these these nonprofit groups which become fundraising grifts. Their original intention was pure and good. I mean, I remember when I went to an LGBTQ plus um, group meeting in college. Right. And when I was becoming a social worker, and Mm -hmm. it was mostly just talking about accepting the gay community. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously, listen, I mean, if, you know, adults, adult behavior is adult behavior, such as it is, and consenting relationships are what they are uh, and should be free to practice uh, as you please, provided you harm no one else. However, I I feel as if the LGBTQ plus movement has now de- is now dwelling in territory that is anti free speech, right? Especially when you look at Canada, for example, the speech laws that they have there again, like it's it's a hate crime if you misgender someone. Yeah. Right. So yes. it's things like that that I think that the LGBTQ plus community gets behind. Not everybody in the community. Obviously, my brother Justin, right, who is. Right. There are actual still liberals in the LGB community, but many of them want to be LGB drop the T. But anyways, we can talk about that. Diane Feinstein, dead at 90 years old. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. How do you feel about that? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. So there's kind of a, a meme that went around with the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Megan McCain, who's the daughter of John McCain. Yes. There's a picture of her where she's crying, sobbing over uh, her father's casket, for example. Okay. Uh-huh. And the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire celebrates his death every year yeah, by posting that and like sort she's of really upset about that. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean anybody would on a personal level. Absolutely. But here's the thing: are, are are we allowed? I'm not trying to. Okay, let me use a different person instead of this. What I'm going to say: like, are we allowed to celebrate the death of Kim Jong Un? Are we allowed to celebrate the death of someone who tortured us without ends, right? right. Are we allowed to celebate the death of a dictator, right? I'm sure that like the di- Hitler, it's like, are we like, oh, let's talk you about the good word. things, you know? You he's, he was word. a vegetarian, he loved animals. I but, mean, sure, there were great things. for some people, he was Uncle Hitler, you know what right. I mean? So when Hitler died, they were like, wee, right. wee, wee. And I'm not saying John McCain is Hitler or Kim Jong-un or anything like that. He's worse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this idea. Should you only be nice to somebody because they're sick and getting old and they're going to die? Right. You know, or do you look at that person's entire life and say to yourself, like, are they worthy of me liking them well, because of all these things they've done? So in, in Cambodia, there was the, the communists uh, were known as the Khmer Rouge, and they had these things called the killing fields of Cambodia. Uh, and in, they, they took people out of their homes by bayonet point and forced them into the fields to pick rice saying that we're going to start civilization over we're going to institute communism and everybody has to to go and pick rice they killed millions of their own people pol pot behind the khmer rouge and i remember when pol pot died the the people of cambodia celebrated and he died under house arrest they were happy that he had died 
Um, and, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with celebrating the death of a dictator. When, when, the, when a dictator dies, when someone who is a bad person dies, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with celebrating their death, right? But, the, you know, I don't think that you can necessarily compare John McCain to Pol Pot. Question is, how many dead Iraqis versus how many dead Cambodians? Millions of dead Cambodians, hundreds of thousands to what were there a million dead Iraqis, right? And you could largely lay the blame there at the feet of John McCain. So could we blame my perhaps an Iraqi for laughing or or you know, delighting in the death of John McCain, right? Could you really judge somebody on that one? It's a good question, right? What do you think, though? Love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text, 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Dissenternet weighs in. Good morning, Dissenter. Says, you do you, but I was raised to respect the dead. I did dance when Bush Sr. died. I wouldn't talk crap on him from his family, though. That's very poor taste. Um, Quantum Kitty says, I've not celebrated anyone's death. While I figure some deaths are deserved, I don't celebrate them. Um, and Studio 314 says, be sure to like this show if you enjoy that content. Thank you for that. never had someone do something so heinous to yeah. me before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure if I had an experience where someone killed my family member or somebody physically right. assaulted me, right. I would be cheering if that person were gone from this earth. And that would give me a lot of peace, such as we were just watching John Wayne Gacy. Yes, we were watching, we were watching a show about him. about him. Yeah, and I mean, he killed, what was it? 33, 32 people? Yes, mm -hmm. mostly men. And it's like, I'm sure those family members of those victims were very relieved. Yeah, when he was and we're celebrating his death, right? Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. So I think, yeah, I do think that it it is okay to celebrate some people's deaths. Mm -hmm. For example, if I walked in uh, to the to the house one day, and there was somebody, a burglar, who was uh, coming in, and he was getting ready to take advantage of you. And I killed him there. Uh, I would celebrate his death, right? Absolutely. We we would be we would be thankful for that. So, Absolutely. so you know, at the level is Diane Feinstein at that level? I mean, no, she's worse. Just kidding. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Grover Bentley over on the live stream says, "I don't shed tears." when tyrants die um same here yeah uh when i was at war we celebrated killed bad guys said one of our uh, listeners let's see uh that was um grover bentley as well uh s uh spobo says public figures especially politicians are all fair game in my opinion if you're just tuning into the wake up america show i'm your host austin peterson and we're talking about the death of Senator Dianne Feinstein of California this morning. She died at 90 years old last night, and the news has just broke. I'm speaking with my wife, Stephanie Peterson, who's joining us right now. We're talking about whether or not it's okay to celebrate someone's death or to be glad that someone is dead. This she is, lived uh, a very nice, long life. She must have been doing something right, because mm, a lot of people don't get to that ripe old age well, of 90. Well, you know, they, that's because they drink the blood of children. Um, <laughs> if you're just tuning into the show and you're enjoying the content that you're watching, don't forget to click like. It really makes a big difference. I know that it's not much for you to do, and you think, oh, it doesn't make a difference, but it really does. The more likes that you give to the Wake Up America show stream, the more it helps us to spread the message of economic freedom and personal liberty. And we'd love to have your subscription so that you can join us and come back every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time on the Wake Up America show. Fridays are Freedom Family Fridays, and my lovely wife Stephanie Peterson joins us here on Fridays, and we just had my brother, Justin Peterson. And for those who might be watching the show later wondering, Austin, why do you reset so much? Well, that's because it's a live show, and when people tune in live, they don't always know who you're talking to 
or what you're talking about. So the best way to enjoy the show is to listen to it live. Of course, we always appreciate for people who uh, listen later, but that's why we do certain things the way that we do them, because live shows be live shows. And that's the live show, baby. Monday through Friday, again, the Wake Up America show, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. All right, let's move on to another topic. It's time for us to get off of the politics, okay? Yeah. It's time for us to move on. Fridays are usually when we talk about fun stuff. Right, let's let's up the mood. Let's do Stop it. thinking about death. Start thinking about living. Let's talk about we got yes. a lot of living yes, to do. We have time left, you all. There are girls just right for the kissing. The only thing guaranteed is this present moment, and, and we are all here together. And I plan to kiss me a few. All right, so let's talk about this next topic. Stephanie, this is good stuff. This is an article that I read in the, the New York Post yesterday. It says, I'm a side hustle queen, mm-hmm. she says. Earning this time, I made one thousand dollars a week. Time on I want these scammy gigs, she says. More hustle, less hassle. This is a woman who was uh, trying to find new income streams. She earned an extra thirty-six grand this year. That's amazing. That's some people's only income. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's a moonlighting TikToker, and she's talking about all of the side hustles that she did that worked for her. Uh, and uh, here's a look at some of the gigs that she recommends. She says the ones that she doesn't recommend as well. So here's what she says. She says, you're not going to get rich on eBay, not at first. She says, I'm going to immediately going to contradict myself. Uh, she says <laughs> that eBay helped her earn a bit of initial startup capital. Yeah. But she says that it's a, a waste of time long term as it's hard to scale up when you're starting from zero. It's definitely not going to make me 100 grand in 12 months, she said. So have you ever done any eBay selling thing? I have. Yes. Um, so I used to do half.com back when I had a lot of college books to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And half.com was owned by eBay. And so basically, you could just post your books and sell them through media mail. And it was super, super easy. And I sold a bunch of them that way. Sure, I, I don't think I made $36,000 a year. But no. you need some extra cash. I actually, I do have a family member, my uncle, um, and he actually has an eBay store where he sells like um, signatured items, you know, from like famous people and sports players. Um, and that's that's his job. Mm. So you can make it your main income, but you got to bust your butt. So I have done eBay selling in the past. Um, sometimes you get burned on that stuff mm-hmm. because the way returns work and people, the way people complain. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like our Amazon selling, but we are going to talk about that in, in a few minutes where it's like, People always think, oh, if I'm doing this, I'm screwing Amazon or I'm screwing eBay, but it's really not like a lot. It's with eBay for sure. It's always the small sellers. I don't think eBay sells like Amazon does directly from their own shop, but yeah, I I don't think eBay eBay has a main warehouse. Uh Right. But, um, with eBay, it's always like some seller and sometimes it's shops, right? Sometimes it's like full blown shops, Mm -hmm. but most of the time, like you're dealing one-on-one with a seller on on eBay, right? Not necessarily a store but a lot of people do have stores on ebay and i'm sure that they make money but it's hard to go from where we're at right now which we're still like you know in startup mode if you will like our goal is to try and get this show to be so successful so that like by january we can make you an employee of this show and then put you on health insurance so that we can actually have health insurance for our family yeah and that's what we're aiming for but for us to like scale to that level is really difficult so look at the first two years of the business to be the start startup period mm-hmm. and then after two years then you say okay let's see are we actually making money here because mm-hmm. it, it takes at least a few years to build up that traffic it, it does and uh so ap for liberty shop our friend jj was saying how does ap for liberty shop compare to ej ebay margins is it worth it to own the shop yourself so it, it is worth it it is better we do better margins when people visit our website mm-hmm. apforlibertyshop.com 
Um, because Amazon and eBay, they take a pretty hefty fee. Mm -hmm. And what, what we do, we typically, we raise the prices on those sites, right? Which means we sell less, but right. because their fees are so high, right? So we can't, we don't want to eat the margin. And when I, when we started AP for Liberty shop.com, like mm -hmm. this is our e-commerce store, right? Um, like one of the best pieces of adv advice that I got was that you cannot compete with Amazon no. and you cannot compete on price. So probably people do come to our website and see that our prices are not like Amazon kind of prices and say, oh, well, I'll just go try and find some equivalent on Amazon. Yeah. But the reality is, is that we can't compete with Amazon. We can't compete with them on price and we cannot compete with them on shipping. That's what small business is about. You're just right. never going to compete with, with the big those, guy. You, the, so, you have, right. so what we do is we innovate, right? So what I do is we try and make products that you cannot get anywhere else. Now, this shirt that I'm showing on the screen right now, the Caucasian shirt, uh -huh. it went so viral because uh -huh. that show was so successful, everybody copied it, didn't that they? That gave me a big headache. I was freaking out you were online. Angry. I you were that. angry. Oh my gosh, because like TRHL uh, Libertarian, she had like posted herself in that shirt and then everybody was like, oh, come here, come to my website and get the shirt. And I'm like, my husband made this. Yes. I'm like posting the link, copying and pasting constantly all over the place. like. You're fake. Yeah. And, and a lot of them and a lot of them were bots. But then yeah. some of them were like other like libertarian shops who just saw that we had a viral mm -hmm. meme and were buying the Caucasian shirt from them because they didn't know, right? But yeah. but like we were the ones who sent that meme viral recently and and everybody, you know, so here's the thing, everybody copied it, right? Right. But there are things that you can only get that we create right on our hustle. This is how we compete with Amazon. Mm -hmm. You can't get these shoes anywhere else. Like literally, I just designed these this week, mm -hmm. right? The American flag shoes. You may be able to find something similar, maybe somewhere right. else. Could try to duplicate what you did, right? Because we can't get a copyright on most of our stuff. Like right. some of the stuff we can't. Right. The right. Gabston flag. I mean, that's non-copyright. Some of the things we can copyright, but most of the things we cannot. Like our book, for example, we have Calvin Cool. We Calvin do have Coolest copyright on that on our yes, book. We yeah. Do. So our Calvin Coolidge one. But so, for example, over here, what, what we try and do is we, so this is good for side hustles. You have to create something that people can't get anywhere else, but that they want to get. Like, let's say, for example, like our coffee. Yeah. Right. So we source our coffee. You can obviously you can get coffee anywhere, but the coffee that we have is, sport, is sourced from a special, special, special roaster mm -hmm. and then we have unique marketing that makes it our own for example like nobody else has our brand and very few people have access to this roaster's beans right so we have that we have that on lock you can get coffee anywhere but our we specialize by making it unique right you can get a pair of shoes anywhere these shoes are actually a little bit less expensive than a lot of the name brands that you get in certain places just as good if not better quality and we've got some awesome designs for our shoes. We've even got like some Ron Paul, like Converse sneakers. Yes. And yes. we've also got like Converse style sneakers, right? And then uh, they're like Chuck Taylors essentially. But um, these are the, this is how we compete with the big guys. We can't compete on price. Sometimes we can, but we compete by creating something that you can't get anywhere else. And then people copy us, right? So that, that does happen. You have to differentiate yourself. Right. So let's talk about the next side hustle, becoming an inventor. It's not that. Okay, shut up. So I didn't know this until today. So tell us your story, Steffi, about you be trying to become an inventor. Okay. So, you know, when I was in my past relationship, he was a serial entrepreneur. So I got into all these things with him in terms of business. So one of the things 
that I tried to do was make a headband that was comfortable because I cannot wear headbands because it makes my ears hurt. And so I bought memory foam and tried to make that into a headband so that it felt like a pillow on my head. And I just, I just didn't get far enough into the design. I don't know how to sew very well or do anything. So that failed. And then the next one is I tried to make a strawberry chocolate candy because I love strawberry and chocolate flavor. And I actually hooked up with Michigan State University. They have a special, um, it's a service where they help people in the food industry make businesses. And so I literally worked with like a food advisor and she helped me like make this strawberry chocolate thing. But then I realized that other brands already have strawberry chocolate. And I was like, okay, this is going to be too hard. <laughs> I just, that was a fail. Fun to create stuff, but in terms of the whole process, like especially in the food industry, like you have to get FDA approval. You have to make it in a special commercial kitchen. It's like, there's just so many certifications and so much money that you have to throw at it that it's just, it's not worth it, yeah, at me. least to me. For sure. Uh, if for those of you who might just be tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm Austin Peterson speaking to my wife, my wife, Stephanie Peterson, Hi. my wife. And we're talking about side hustles that may or may not make you money. We're, we were just using like um, our reference of our AP for Liberty shop website. And Stephanie apparently was trying to be an inventor for a little while. Um, but what's funny is that I and nobody believes me when I say this, but I actually can, I'm, I'll kick myself for the rest of my life. Everybody has that one idea that they came up with and then somebody else like actually brought it to market first. But I remember I I'm pretty sure I must have been the first person. Maybe I wasn't to think of it, but like I was like I was contacting my buddy Vince to try and say, how do we get a patent? Because, you know, he's a patent lawyer. Yeah. Um, touch finger gloves. So for devices. Oh, my God. I remember being in New York City in like 2006. Uh -huh. And that was when phone touchscreen phones were becoming ubiquitous. Oh. And I was like trying to use my phone. But of course, I have my gloves on. So I couldn't activate my device. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, man, if only there was some way to have something in the finger that could actually touch my phone so I could like, you know, see my map or the subway or whatever. Uh -huh. And then I was like, nah, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like lazy or whatever, stupid. And then, of course, next year right. in winter, everybody has the touch finger gloves that can actually control your devices. Right. I hate myself. Like, we have the ideas, but the way to actually make those ideas happen mm -hmm. is so much more complicated. Like back in the in the 90s, when I loved AOL Instant Messenger, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could have this device that could bring along my instant messages with me. You know, now we have a smartphone, duh, but that wasn't invented. How could I have invented the smartphone? Yeah, Grover Bentley says that um, I made up Instacart before Instacart was a thing, but I didn't develop it though, dude. Right. It's like the ideas are there, but the implementation is what makes you special. He could have been like a 1776 a month club supporter for us. You right. know, he could have been a billionaire. Only. Could have been a billionaire. All right. What's next on the side hustle list? All right. So we're not inventors, but uh, no. the the writer says that uh, developing products is like, it isn't, she said she wasted a ton of money doing it. It's too hard. Yes, right? it is a money suck. Now, here's the thing. J JJ was asking us about this earlier on the comment section. Etsy. Et she says Etsy was a big disappointment. I've done that too. Tell us your Etsy. Stephanie's I am done it all. 
I, 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 guys, there's only one Stephanie. You will never find a wife like that, like my wife. I do okay? it all. I cook, she does. I clean. She cooks. She cleans. I have she, does, she, she, she helps me with my business. Like, just give up, guys. There's no one out there like that. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. All right, Stephanie, go I'm ahead. So, um, I had an Etsy store. It was called Hugga, and so basically, I had this really weird vision. So there's these like elastic hair ties that were really big many years ago that girls would, you know, love to put their hair up in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's make these hair ties, but make them into bracelets with Pandora style beads on them. Mm-hmm. So it could be a bracelet and a hair tie so that you don't lose your hair tie and you want to keep it on your wrist because I would lose tons of hair ties. So I called it hug ties. And so I made these by hand in my house and it was super, super fun. I learned how to be crafty and then I made other jewelry. And this was an Etsy shop and I probably sold like over a hundred pieces, but that was over the course of like two years. Um, so it was super fun, but basically having to pay sales taxes and use taxes. I mean, that just totally. And you were in Michigan. I was in Michigan. And, uh, I also, I just, my margins sucked. I mean, I did not value my time. Yes. I did not value my time. Explain that. Explain that. Okay. So like in terms of making one of these hair ties, like I'm a perfectionist. So it would take me like, who knows, 30 minutes to make one of them. Mm -hmm. But yet I sold one of them for like $8. Okay. So it's like with the cost of the items I use to make the hair tie, you know, all the materials plus my time and I'm, I'm charging $8 and Etsy takes fees plus shipping. Right. So it's like, I made like what, maybe one to $3. Like it was pathetic. And see that's, and that's one of the really important lessons for those would be entrepreneurs out there is that you have to set appropriate margins for the prices of your products. Right. Because the reality is, is that if you're not making enough money on the item, it's not worth your time to spend trying to like bring this product to market. Right. Because like, think about it, like the Gadsden sneakers that we just debuted like a couple of days ago, it took me the time to find the, where I could source these sneakers and then at, at an appropriate price mm-hmm. to make, and then make sure that those sneakers could then get to the customer within a reasonable amount of time with our branding and our logo on them with the design that I created. And then the amount of time that I spent, you know, you know, creating design, I went through probably seven different designs that weren't good before I got to that design. Yeah. And so there's all that upfront time. And then there's the, t- the cost of fulfilling the order. And then there's also breakage where like sometimes orders get lost and sometimes orders get stolen and sometimes yeah. things happen. Right. So you have to figure all that in yeah. to set an appropriate margin for yourself, because then once you've made your margin, then the government steps in and takes half of that. Right. Yeah. So so if you are starting a business or considering like doing some kind of side hustle and it involves selling things, which, by the way, the only way to get rich as Donald Trump has said, is you got to make deals. You got to make sales. The only way to get rich is you got to make sales. So uh, the best side hustle, in my opinion, is the one where you actually make sales. And we started the coffee business specifically because what we learned is that, and this is from our buddy John Burke, when people buy a t-shirt from us, or they, when you buy a pair of shoes from us, you've got the pair of shoes, and then the customer doesn't return. Yes. But this is one of the big secrets. We start the coffee company because... One, we get you addicted to caffeine. <laughs> Where's my evil laugh? <laughs> Drugs. Uh, and then uh, two, um, it's a product that you want to buy from us again. Consumable. Consumable. That's the key word here. Right. So if you're yeah. wondering why all your favorite influencers are starting coffee companies or CBD companies or things like that, it's because 
we create a great product and you want to come back. And that's, and that's the secret, right? So that's the hope, right? We have three people right now. So you're like, we're not, we're not big, right? Even though we've got a thousand people watching, you may think, oh, they're big, they're famous. They're at the top of rumble.com. This is new to us. <laughs> a month ago, we were streaming to 20 or 30 people halfway high. Um, it's the, this business is just me and my lovely wife, Stephanie. It's just the two of us, right? We only recently have started to see some a little bit of success here. Don't get stage fright. So you'd have no idea. Right, right, right. Um, uh, but uh, when it comes to like our merchandise and our products, like we have three people who subscribe to our coffee club, right? Mm -hmm. So we have three people who do like a monthly or a two, a two month or a three month coffee subscription. But our hope is that like a year from now, maybe we'll have 15 or 25 people who are doing monthly purchases of our coffee, right? And that is kind of our hope. Our secret is that we're we're, the first couple of years of the Wake Up America show is going to be rough. Like I spent about eight to ten thousand dollars building this show, which I, you know, I have still have to earn back, right? In terms of profit, because mm -hmm. what we've made is like you know paid for everything, and like you know sometimes we lose a little bit of money. So your profit margins really should reflect the idea that like you want to pay yourself back for what the investment on the business is, upfront costs. And then also to make money enough to, to survive as you're getting your business built with the hope that four, five, six, seven years down the line, your profit mark, now you're into the green and the profit margins. So a lot of people just don't have the, the wherewithal to really stick it through to get through the, those difficult years, right? To, to struggle with like, you know, because honestly, like there was a point like five months ago or so, Stephanie, where you and I were looking at the numbers of this show and being like, that doesn't look good. Right. <laughs> That's not looking so good. So we were so looking good. for side hustles, right? Yeah, we were looking for side hustles. Everything in life, everything good in life takes patience and persistence. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you have to stick with it. But at the same time, it's like, you can't be too stupid with it because right. you have to put bread on your table. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, I once heard Steve Harvey say, you have to use your day job to fund your passion. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I was doing all along is I always had my job, you know, my full time job, but I was funding my side hustles with that. Mm -hmm. And so the scariest thing to do, the riskiest thing to do is to invest money into a business and just put all of your heart and soul into it. And that's how you truly become successful. Right, right. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and grateful to have you here. It's Freedom Family Friday. So my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife, Stephanie Peterson, is joining us Hi. in studio. Thank you very much. We appreciate you for joining us today. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. Help a small business to achieve their American dream and support the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. When you click like and subscribe to our channel on Rumble or buy from our AP for Liberty shop store or maybe become a monthly sub supporter of the show, then you're helping us to spread these ideas and helping a, a young couple starting out to spread our ideas because we believe in liberty, don't we, Steffi P? We sure do. We sure do. So we'd love it if we could earn uh, maybe at least one more subscriber, like a monthly subscriber on Rumble today. Do you think we can get that done? Anybody? Anybody? We'd love it if somebody would step up today and become a monthly subscriber. If you've really been enjoying Rumble and what they've been doing, fighting back against cancel culture, the UK government coming after Russell Brand, for example, YouTube demonetized us a month ago, took away a significant portion of our monthly revenue. When you become a monthly subscriber to the Wake Up America show here on Rumble.com, you're not only supporting us, you're supporting Rumble as well. They take a percentage of that as well. So you're supporting free speech and the ideals that we believe in. 
so do us a favor. Let's see if we can earn at least one more Rumble subscriber today. We'd be very grateful. And it's and it's not like it's something for free. We do give you something back for um, for our monthly subscribers. You get a twenty percent discount at apforlibertyshop.com. So, for example, if you wanted to buy the shoes, yes, uh, on um, the we- the website, if you wanted the Gadsden shoes or any of those shoes, you you would actually save money today if you became a Rumble subscriber, a monthly subscriber, right? And you bought the shoes with your twenty percent discount. Uh-huh. You would actually save money on the shoes because you get twenty percent off of the of the tennis shoes. So it makes sense. You get a twenty percent discount at apforlibertyshop.com, and we'd be very grateful if you would become a monthly subscriber. So donating, then, yeah, then you donate, right? Yeah, exactly. That'd be cool. Exactly. So if you like our cost um, benefit analysis, exactly, exactly. Mises so, would approve. Mises would approve. Yes, we always like to give something back. Yes. Uh, again, but uh, if you don't feel like doing that, of course, we don't mind at all. Just click like and subscribe. It's totally free, and we appreciate mm-hmm. that very much. Okay. What else have we got today? Um, Did we go through all of the no, side hustles? we still got to get to um, why you shouldn't do paid surveys and tests. Oh, oh yeah. Have you, have you ever gotten these before? It was paid surveys and stuff? Um, oh, you yeah. did them in the mall once with your family. My, well, my mom and sister did. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it. I don't fall for that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we were in a mall and these like marketing people were like recruiting, you know, survey contestants. And they got my mom and sister to go into this private room. We were literally locked up in there for hours. And I was like shopping around the mall by myself, which was, that was fine. I like shopping. But they only made, I want to say less than $20 for like a few hours of their time. Mm -hmm. So again, time is money. Yeah. People don't realize that. So those surveys, they, they take you for hours and hours and they pay you almost nothing for them. And there's no way to scale it. Right. There's no way to like suddenly become a test taking, survey taking monkey that like makes way more money you're always going to basically be plodding along doing like minimum wage for this kind of stuff so right. it's usually not worth your time to be like a paid survey taker or anything like that so. i'm actually tempted right now because one of the uh, websites i work for to do therapy they're like you could potentially be in the drawing to win a 50 dollars amazon gift card if you take this survey that takes less than 10 minutes mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really tempted but i don't know <laughs> the next one on the list of side hustles as we're talking about here on the show right now is the roads not travel that she did she hasn't done amazon and drop shipping she says that she amazon and drop shipping she says has a reputation for being scammy but i will disagree that's what we, you do we like yeah, drop solely. shipping we yeah. no not solely we do <laughs> not we, solely, do, but we design our own products and then yes. we also create our own products yes yes we do actual selling yeah yes. we, we we act products that we design and create mm-hmm. in our house right our 3d printed buddhas for example yes. but we do have some items that are drop shipping mm-hmm. and we have had a good experience with it because it depending on the seller we've had some stores that have not followed through with their orders but mm-hmm. that's been very rare for the most part we were able to find suppliers of very good products the challenge is to find ones that are in the united states because a lot of them are overseas yeah. So the secret is, if you've ever thought about drop shipping or getting into drop shipping as a side hustle, the secret is is that you want to find suppliers that are in the United States. Yes. Right. That that is the the secret. If you try and find like work with like companies that may have good products like AliExpress or Alibaba, the products might be okay. They might be terrible. But the problem is, is that the shipping will be like two weeks or a month mm-hmm. sometimes, and boy, you do not want to get into that kind of a problem especially because most people are used to Amazon, like next day shipping and stuff. 
So you really have to do your due diligence on where you're sourcing your products for dropshipping to make it work. Amazon, we have had good experience with Amazon. We don't sell a lot on Amazon, but we do sell some. And the problem is, is that the prices just have to be higher because Amazon takes a big chunk of whatever we sell on there. So, so, um, but we do get sales. Sometimes we do, um, because we have like a, a goal. So my goal is always, and we don't always hit it. But we want to sell at least in order to remain profitable. Typically, we want to be able to sell like four products a day. If we can make four sales a day, then we know we're in the green and we're doing fine. We're paying. There are fees, of course, associated with drop shipping and, and our websites mm-hmm. fees and things. Mm-hmm. And it gets very expensive. Like we have to pay for all the software, Midjourney, Amazon, Adobe, all these things we have to pay for in order to like create these products and, and to route them. It can be very expensive. So you have to market that in. But when it comes to like the number of products that we sell per day, sometimes we'll sell two products on our website and sometimes we'll sell a couple of products on Amazon and then we've made our quota. Yeah. So it does help some help us to like meet our quota sometimes with Amazon. So the problem, you know what the problem is with Amazon? And here's a secret for you guys. It is so stinking complicated and so <laughs> difficult to get your products on Amazon that I'm going to tell you what the secret is. If you have products and you want to try and sell them on Amazon, Hire someone to list them for you. Hire an expert. You actually have a website link in your commercial to hire someone. Fiverr.com yep. slash wake up America. It's like, no, it's wake up America show.com slash Fiverr. Yes. F I V E R R. So if you go to wake up America show.com slash Fiverr, I think they give you like a discount for that. So. Yeah. But use that link because if you want to list your products on Amazon or even Etsy or anything like that, you're going to give up. I gave up so many times being like, I can't, they would just say, reject it and say, this is not on the right yeah. item category and stuff like that. So we're talking That's about a so, great point. Yeah. Is, hire it out. It's that worth it. is the one thing I did wrong with my businesses is I tried to do everything. I'm a do it all kind of girl. Okay. I'm a Rosie the Riveter, mm-hmm. but you have to ask for help and you have to be willing to spend money which I'm mm-hmm. not really willing to do either. You have to spend money to make money. Okay? You do. That's, yeah. And that's like been my lesson to my wife is that like, I, you know, she doesn't see like the Amex, the blue business Amex bill every month, but it's huge. Uh, it costs a lot, right? Because yes. to run the business costs thousands and thousands to make thousands and thousands, right? It does. It's it, just like the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. If you invest a ton of money into it, mm-hmm. your gains can be explosive. If you so only invest losses. a small amount, you're probably not going to have huge gains, but you will be safer. So it's the same mentality behind that. For sure. For sure. So we're talking about side hustles this morning. What's worked for us as small business owners and entrepreneurs, giving you tips. And uh, this is, I think we're actually giving really good advice of things. Yes. That we've learned. But, oh, and one more thing I was going to say about like getting items from China. So the reason why a lot of people don't like to source from China is because of the time that it takes for these items to ship. So if you do like a certain item in China, buy it yourself, ship it to your house, wait those few weeks, and then put that item on your website and then ship it directly from your house. Right. Like, so example, we have our Donald Trump toilet brushes and we buy a small amount of them because they don't sell like, they're not hot, sell like hotcakes, Mm -hmm. but people do like them. And so we'll keep about 10 of them on stock in our house and then ship it out. But the first thing is we wanted to see, do they actually sell? Yes. Right. And that's the problem because some of the things that we have, we have built up that don't really sell, right? There are Correct. some things that we, that still stick around and then that becomes a problem with investment. So dropshipping can be attractive for that reason. Yeah. But here's the thing. Again, I cannot reiterate enough. Be willing to spend money to get help. 
right? Using Fiverr.com, wakeupamericashow.com slash Fiverr. If you, you hire someone to make these listings for you, they will do all, they will deal with Amazon for you. They have business accounts where they will set everything up for you. All you have to do is like sign the papers, make everything you know ready. You might have to give them some information here or there. But people like, I literally have someone who is like my Amazon account representative who like, I have, I just, whenever he does work, I just pay him for the work that he does on a contract basis. So easy, right? I, and trust me, if you've ever tried to sell on Amazon or Etsy or some of these companies where you've done like multiple listings, it is too hard. It, for, for me, maybe it isn't for you, mm -hmm. but if it, and it's also, it's too much work. Time is money, right? So if you can pay somebody to do those, list those products for you, you're going to save a lot of time and energy and money, and you're going to make more money on the end. We've already made more money from Amazon than I've paid the person to represent us. Not much more, but we've made a profit. And that's what really matters. Cause at the end of the day, you know, we, we don't like, we don't, we're not getting rich here on the wake up America show, but like we could someday, some, at some point, because we have lots of little, we start out with thimbles to catch rain and you put a lot of thimbles out to catch rain and you catch little drops of water. And then you take those thimbles and you put them in buckets. And then eventually you can afford to buy big buckets, right? Investing in your business even more. And then when you go out and it rains, you've got lots of buckets and then the buckets can come together until finally you have a pool. But again, uh, you, I, I highly recommend Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. Uh, whether you love, love Donald Trump or hate Donald Trump, his business acumen and experience is something that this that more people in this country really need to learn. And, and definitely, if there's anything to respect Donald Trump for, it's his business experience. And his book, The Art of the Deal, is one of the best. Because whenever Donald Trump was asked, how do you get rich? But when people still loved Donald Trump and everyone mm -hmm. loved Donald Trump, one of the biggest questions that he always got was, how do you get rich, right? <laughs> and he says, you got to make deals. You got to make deals. And every time you make a sale, right, you're a little Donald Trump, right? You're making a deal, right? And it may not be real estate. Some people like real estate, right? That's, that is one legitimate way to get rich. It's very difficult and you take huge risks with massive amounts of capital. Yeah. That's why I prefer the shop because less risk and you know smaller capital, but you still have the chance to get rich. Mm -hmm. So um, side hustles, I would say, you know, stepping in, getting yourself an online merchandise store, and then differentiating yourself, not being afraid to pay someone to ask for help to get things listed online. That's my best advice for somebody, at least because that's what we know it, it works. I would say for me, I really like the service industry. So in terms of tapping into businesses that are services, so mm -hmm. like I'm a therapist, so I provide a service, right? Mm -hmm. and so you can become pretty wealthy as like a life coach nowadays, for example, without even having a degree. Mm -hmm. um, also cleaning services. A lot of people make money from that. Dog walking services, pet sitting services. Um, so just learn a skill that people would pay money for carpentry you know painting but like the nutrition. idea but remember if you want to get rich it's got to scale you've got to be able to build it up so yes. if you're a dog you can only go so far with your time you right. only have 24 hours in a day if you're a dog yes. walker you know consider hiring yes. dog walkers right right get you good at something business of dog walkers exactly yes. like like one of the things i've considered doing is is that you know right now we're on the track on track to make this a successful mm -hmm. show but one of the things I've consi I'm considering doing is hiring myself out as a consultant to other people who want to build a business mm -hmm. like ours. Yeah. And the idea is, is that I could use my expertise, teach them, and you know they might be competition with me, but that's fine as long as they would pay me a consulting fee for, for me to teach them how to do what I do, right? And I'm sure that there's probably some rich people out there who would like to have a studio and their own show and you know do what it is, and I could teach them to do that. 
So if you have a skill in something that, that is profitable or that is useful, consider hiring yourself out as a consultant for those things as well as a side hustle. Like, I think that's what Brian Nichols does, actually. He's a consultant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Is it already over? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. We like we didn't get to all the topics. We did not get to all the topics, my lovely wife. Really are passionate about business. We do. We love business. Yes. And we love helping people be successful. Heart. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm a businesswoman at heart. <laughs> hey, if you enjoyed the show this morning, do us a favor, will you, before you leave, click like and subscribe. It's totally free. And if you've enjoyed this content, I think it's worth it, right? A click a like and a subscribe. We appreciate you very much. I'm Austin Peterson. My wife, Stephanie Peterson, has joined me today. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? She certainly is. The Wake Up America show is every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Stephanie and I had a goal this morning that we wanted to average over a thousand viewers for the whole stream. We did. We did. So. Still a thousand people no, watching? Not, not now, but in terms of time, it was just a couple of minutes. It wasn't very long ago that we dropped under a thousand. How many are there? 862, which is huge. We're, we love it. So you all must like talking about business. They must like it. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. If you like the Wake Up America show, we are every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central. Fridays are Freedom Family Fridays. We have a lot of fun, right? We goof around. We talk about lighter stuff or maybe business stuff, not as much politics. Monday through Thursday is a little more politics heavy, but we've got awesome guests, awesome content, awesome clips. It's a great place to hang out, make friends, and to find out what's going on in the world. Like, well, we did the breaking news today, Diane Feinstein and all that. So. <laughs> Yeah, I saw people posting rip Diane Feinstein in the chat. Actually, thank you, Rumblers, for yeah, telling you. us about this breaking news, or else we would have had no idea because obviously we're so focused on the show. Can we please give it up to Rumble.com? Because Rumble.com is just trans they're changing our lives right yes. now. We went from streaming to 20, 30 people. We were so excited uh, uh, a month ago when we were like, we have a hundred people watching us live every morning. Yay! Now we're like, oh my gosh, there's only a thousand people watching us live. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, you can't let your head get too big, no, right? You got to stay grounded with it. We we keep yeah. each other grounded. Mostly she needs to keep me grounded because I'm oh. the one with the big ego. Uh, but, but you help lift me up when I'm scared. You're right. like, let's do it. Let's take those risks. I think a lot of people think that Stephanie yeah. and I could balance each other out yeah. fairly well. What about you? Yin and yang, for sure. For sure. We hope to see you again on Monday morning, so don't forget to subscribe. So we'll see you there. You'll get updates every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. Visit APForLibertyShop.com, and we'll see you on Monday. You'll see Stephanie next Friday. Say bye, Stephanie. Be free. Bye.